thank those who gave, men and women who gave their lives to have the freedoms that we have. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but I wanted to do something. Last week we recognized our graduates, but this morning, just real quickly, I know Mike already mentioned that school was out. I know y'all are very aware of that, but we have in our uh, church family here a lot of teachers and administrators um, in public and private schools, and I'm very, very thankful for them. So what I want to do is ask if you're a teacher here today or, and you just finished a school year, whether it was preschool or high school, middle school, elementary, whatever it is, and if you're a student here today, and we welcome our elementary school, if you just finished a school year, that is an accomplishment. So all of our students and teachers, please stand up at this time. Look at that. Wow. Wow, look at all these teachers. All right, thank you. See several of our teachers from our own preschool here, and I just want to thank you all for what you do every day. And, uh, and it is an accomplishment to get through the school year, isn't it? For, for all of y'all. And I, I can't move forward without saying something about, um, you know, what happened in Uvalde, y'all. I just, I don't, I don't understand. Um, the only way I can even comprehend that is, um, is just pure evil, even demon possession, and someone that thinks that they can go into a school with a gun and kill a bunch of people, and it somehow solves anything. I can't express that. I just that has to be demon possession. That has I don't I don't know. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a preacher. I just I don't understand how you think that's going to solve anything. But um, I just I think about all the teachers we had. I think what if I had to stand up here this morning and preach, and some of our own teachers had to experience what what happened at that school? Can you imagine? I can't imagine being a teacher who covered up a kid locked in a classroom with a gunman. I can't imagine first responders having to go in after that happened. Can you imagine all the different, I mean, kids and teachers who, I don't know if they'll ever be able to go back to school again. And I'm not trying to bring this up to scare us or make us feel bad, but we're thinking about it. Aren't y'all thinking about it? I just go, why does this keep happening? And I don't understand this young man who was so distraught that he thought that is a good idea. And y'all, we celebrate Memorial Day today where people fought and died so that we could have freedoms to go to school, to come to church, to go to Walmart for crying out loud. And in the last couple of weeks, you go to the grocery store, a bunch of people get shot, you go to school and a bunch of people... what? Man, those people didn't die so that we could have the rights to carry an AR-15 into a school and kill people. That is not why they, they, they fought and died to protect us from people like that. So I don't know what the answer is, but I'll tell you this. I am thankful every day when I drop my son off at Madras that there's a police officer standing right there watching. And when I pick him up in the afternoon, there's multiple officers there and, and administrators watching what's going on. I'm not putting any blame on what happened there because this can happen at any time. But y'all just be praying that we need to come up with something that can stop this nonsense. I, I just don't understand. I mean, during COVID, I couldn't get into a school at all. Do you remember that? I had to go pick up my daughter, and I had to call the school, and they had to come out and check my license before I could get into the school. So how do we just let it open? I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I'm sorry, I'm on a rant, but I just, I just, it just breaks my heart. I can't, I can't imagine trying to preach to a congregation of parents this morning whose kid got shot by a crazy person. 
I just, I can't even imagine. So I'm just going to ask us right now. I mentioned a lot of different people, parents, teachers, first responders. Just pick out somebody this morning and let's just pray for that community right now as a congregation. Lord, I know you hear our prayers. You hear our hearts. And you really hear the prayers of those. I just pray for those victims and that terrible tragedy, Father. And it's, it's, I can't even comprehend what they're going through, how they even get up in the morning after something like this. And so I just pray your peace that passes all understanding to just envelop these parents and this community in, in Uvalde, Father, and the first responders and the, just everybody that had to be a part of, of the carnage that took place there and, and trying to process that and move forward. So, Father, we just pray again your, your peace and, Father, your um, love on that community. And I know good things will come out of this and have come out of this, but just we just shake our heads in disbelief. And Father, I pray for leaders. I pray for folks in this country to figure out what do we need to do to, to move forward from this continuing to happen over and over again. And think about the young man who did this and shot his own grandmother and his own family must be just devastated to know that this happened. And Father, how do we as a church and as people connect with lonely, hurting people that think something like this is going to help their, their position in life. So, Father, just give us answers. Give us hope in the midst of these tragedies. And, again, we just, we just lift those folks up there to you and continue peace and as they go through a, just a very difficult process of, of trying to get back to their lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wanted to say thank you to... Um, uh, Nancy Schneider, who put out, as you walked in this morning, you saw some uh, uh, military memorabilia there as you walked in. As you drove in this morning, you saw some flags, right? And I don't know about y'all, but I need visual reminders, don't you? Because I forget, I think, oh, it's Memorial Day, we're going to go to the ball game and eat a hot dog and go swimming. And I'm like, wait a minute, there was people that fought and died so that we could have the freedom to eat a hot dog and go to the ball game, come to church. And so I want to thank Julie White who every Veterans Day and every Memorial Day, she goes out and puts those flags out at the church. Nobody asks her to do that. She just does that. So we're thankful so that when I and you turn in, we go, that's right. I need to be reminded. Thank you, Julie. And um, Nancy Snyder and Holly Mulder put out those things as you walked in the doors this morning, all the different branches that men and women have served over the years. So I'm thankful for people who give us reminders because we need them, right? We need reminders of, of those things. Well, trying to transition into a sermon after all that, but uh, <clears throat> a lot of y'all remember Seinfeld. I used to watch Seinfeld. I noticed recently Sawyer, my 12-year-old's, getting to binge watch that on Netflix. So we introduced him to Sawyer, um, uh, to Seinfeld. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. And you know, you can watch a whole season when I had to wait week after week to watch it, but you can watch the whole season. But you remember it was branded the show about nothing. 
and it became one of the most popular and influential sitcoms in TV history. But in one particular episode, George Costanza, who's one of the characters, a lot of y'all know who I'm talking about, he decided that he's going to convert to Latvian Orthodox. You're like, what is Latvian Orthodox? Well, it's an Eastern Orthodox church, I think, branded out of Russia, uh, Latvia. So he's going to, it's called the conversion, this particular episode. And he's going to do it, why? Because he's dating a girl and her parents are very devout um, Latvian Orthodox and she can't date anybody that's not going to convert. So he's like, I can't see her anymore. And he's telling um, Jerry and Elaine about this, and he's saying, no, you know, I really like her. I think I might actually convert. And Jerry goes, to Latvian Orthodox? He goes, why not? Why do I care? And Jerry says this. Listen carefully to this. You know, George, it's not like changing toothpaste. And he goes, I know, I know, but I could probably do this. What's the difference? He keeps saying this. What's the difference? I wouldn't even tell her. I could surprise her. How hard could it be, George says? You make a little contribution. You have a ceremony. I think I'm really going to do this. I think I'm really going to do this. So George is clearly not sincere about making the conversion for true change in his life and his faith. It's simply because he wants the girl. That's all he's doing it for. So... In all, Seinfeld, uh, in all Seinfeld episodes, you get caught up in the absurdity of all that's going on in the show. They even show George, he goes in and talks with the, the Latvian priest, and they go, what is it that makes you want to convert to Latvian uh, Orthodox? He goes, and he looks at them, and they wear these big hats, you know, and he goes, I think it's the hats. You know, and it's, again, the absurdity of Seinfeld. He goes, I like the pious look of the hats. And when I come into worship, I want to feel like I'm, you know, I've got priests who are pious and, and take me closer to God. You know, it's just, a, it's all a scam. He's not really serious about it. So they basically give him a stack of books and they said, you've got to read some of this and you've got to be familiar with what our orthodoxy actually is. And then you have to take a written test to get in. And he's like, isn't there some uh, express way to get in without doing all this? And I, no, no, you have to do this. So George starts studying. His parents are a mess. They're not happy about this. And George starts writing the answers on his hand to cheat. And he does cheat on the test. And he passes the written test. And then he goes through the ceremony all without his girlfriend knowing about it. Um, And he passes and he goes through the ceremony. And now he's Latvian Orthodox. And then at the end of the show, they show George. And he's in the diner they always eat at. And she finally goes, oh, George, I can't believe you're so sweet that you would do that for me. But I'm just really not interested in making a commitment to you right now. So he goes through all of that. And you know what it was? George Costanza's conversion was counterfeit, wasn't it? It never was real. But either was or is George. George Costanza's not a real person. He's a sitcom actor who was acting in this particular episode. But all of us can probably relate that at some point in our lives, we have done something that we were not sincere about in order to get something we really wanted or needed maybe you put on a counterfeit smile to act or get what you wanted or perhaps many of us went on vacation and we listened to the thing over and over again when we knew we were going to say no 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 but we got disney tickets but we sat through the whole seminar knowing we were never going to buy a condo we weren't interested at all but we wanted the disney tickets and some of y'all are laughing because that's how you went on vacation that year But you got the free breakfast, you got the free Disney tickets. 
Or maybe you were converted from being a fan of one team to another because all my friends are fans of that team and all my family, and I'm tired of getting the business, so I'm just going to be a part of this, and we convert. And sometimes we justify in life our counterfeit motives, our counterfeit actions or conversions to get something we really want or need. And all of us can maybe think, yeah, you know, I did join the club or the organization to get the discount. I did do that. It was just for the discount. But when we think about counterfeit conversion when it comes to our faith, to our spiritual faith, for most of us, that just feels wrong to be counterfeit about that. You don't fake your faith. That's too personal. That's too important to fake something like, why would you even do that? Well, over the years, I do know this, that while I've been in the ministry over at the old church, I remember being very distraught a couple of times when someone came forward and seemed to really want to join our church, and they joined the church, and then right after that they said, oh, and by the way, I need you to pay my rent. I need you to pay my bill. I need you to do this. And I'm like, wait a minute. You came forward on Sunday, and you went through all of that, and you just wanted us to pay your bill? And I remember just going, that just seems so wrong. That wasn't a real conversion. I had somebody that, that, that came and joined the church and then later they got married in the church and they got the discount because they were members and then we never saw them again. And I thought, that just seems wrong. And it wasn't that I was necessarily so mad at them, but I'm like, well, this is a community. This is, you're part of us and you were going to be a part of us. And so that was just counterfeit to get something you wanted. It feels wrong, doesn't it? And as y'all hear that, you go, oh, that was wrong. That's the way it feels. But we're going to continue our series um, today, Conversion Factors. We look at the different factors that we see in the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was about Jesus' life. And then Acts, as after Jesus lived, died, rose again, and ascended into heaven and gave the Great Commission, he says, go and make disciples. And we see in Acts that they are going and they're making disciples. They're converting people to be followers of Jesus Christ in that first century. And today we're going to look at a counterfeit conversion that happened in the midst of some very authentic conversions. And how did the church leaders, how did that early church go, what do we do about that? Someone is faking it. How do we deal with them? And we're going to see what happens there. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 8. And if you remember, Philip has, because of the scattering of the church, because of persecution, it seemed like a bad thing, which it was, Stephen's death as a martyr. But as a result, people were going out of Jerusalem and they were taking the gospel message um, to different parts of the world, even in the surrounding areas, which is exactly what Jesus called them to do. And Philip has gone to Samaria and they have seen amazing change in the Samaritans. First, that Jews would go because they've been enemies for hundreds of years. They hated each other. And now a hated enemy is coming to us and saying, I want you to know about my Lord and Savior, how he's transformed my life, and I want him to transform your life. And they're going, what? You're telling me about that? You want me to become a follower of Jesus like you? Yes. And what's even more amazing is that they were going, I want that. And there was a lot of factors involved, and we'll look at those in a minute. But let's look at chapter 8, starting in verse 14. And when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had, yet not, had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. 
When Simon saw that the Spirit was giving at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me that nothing you have said may happen to me. And after they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. So as we look at this eighth chapter of Acts, we see amazing things happening again in Samaria. Jews are going there to share the gospel, and it's making a difference, and Samaritans are receptive. And Philip has gone there, and some of the factors we talked about is, first, Jesus went to Samaria first, you remember, and talked to the woman at the well, and his whole encounter with her broke down a lot of walls and she said y'all need to know about this Jesus and Jesus stayed there at least two days the gospel of John tells us and this was before all this happened so there was some initial foundation that Jesus had laid there there's a scattering of people because of persecution but it led to the sharing of the gospel Jews were willing to share the gospel with Samaritans and Samaritans were willing to hear it and have their lives transformed Jesus uh, is is telling them to go, and they're going, and the things are happening that Jesus always wanted to happen. But the most important factor is the Holy Spirit is changing hearts and lives. They know how things have been for hundreds of years against two groups of people, but the Holy Spirit is changing those hearts and those minds. But specifically in our text today, the apostles in Jerusalem heard what was happening in Samaria, and it's surprising to them to go, how is that happening? There's transformation going on in Samaria, so they sent Peter and John to check it out. Why these two? Why are they sending Peter and John? I think it's kind of like, we want to see for ourselves. Those were two guys who were closest to Jesus. They were leaders of the church. They were part of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit coming on them on the day of Pentecost. So when they arrive, they want to see what's happening. Is this the same thing that happened to us? We want to see this. So it says in our text today that they first prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. They had heard about Jesus. They believed the good news of Jesus, and they were even baptized in the name of Jesus, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. There seemed to be a connection in the book of Acts of where those who first received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, when they laid their hands on someone else, they received it. And that was part of what it seemed to be. But it's not always like that in Acts, as we'll see in a few weeks as we move forward in this series. This seems to be the case to make sure that those closest to Jesus and were sharing and passing what he had promised to them on to other people. So after Peter and John prayed for the newly baptized Jesus followers, it says they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And there were obviously, and we don't know exactly what happened, but there were obviously clear signs that the people go, yeah, they got the Holy Spirit. Something happened. Maybe some of the things that happened on the day of Pentecost, they were speaking in different languages or whatever, but it was obvious. Peter and John were convinced. They saw something supernatural to say they've got the Holy Spirit now, but also they saw this authentic and real change in these folks. And they said, this is real. This is really happening. So much so that Simon, and you remember Simon had been in Samaria for some time, and he did sorcery and magic, and people were awed by him, but he goes, I want that power. 
He had been practicing this sorcery for years. He had the attention and all of the people. But now Philip has come in, and he's been healing people and doing miracles. And now all of a sudden he's upstage. And now Peter and John come in, and they lay their hands on people, and they receive the Holy Spirit. And he's upstaged again, and now he's wanting to buy this. Listen to what happened. Simon went through the steps of becoming a Christian. He said he believed. He actually went through baptism, but he was trying to purchase with money this gift of God. You don't purchase a gift, right, unless you're buying it from somebody else. But a gift is given to you. And so it was a considered a sinful desire to have a spiritual power for the wrong reasons, to gain power by the wrong means. You don't use that for your own means. One has been gifted with a spiritual gift or has a spiritual authority, has, has a serious responsibility to not use that gift, not use that opportunity for your own desire to bring fame or attention to yourself or even much less gain money for oneself. And it seems obvious here that Simon was doing this for Simon. This is the way he had been operating his whole life. He was using sorcery and magic to get at people and to make money for himself. He didn't know any other way. So later in church history, when others attempted to gain positions of power or spiritual gifts by monetary gains, you know what they called the action? Simony. They named it after him. Someone was practicing simony. It meant you're doing what Simon did in the first century. You're trying to get some kind of power for your own uh, personal gain. So Peter called Simon out right on the spot. He goes, your heart's not right. Your heart is not right. He called him out. He says, you're full of bitterness. And this goes back to an Old Testament passage from Deuteronomy where part of the law said, make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose hearts turn away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such a bitter poison. And Peter is saying, there's a root in you that is producing this bitterness that continues. Your heart's not right. Now, I don't know how many of y'all are working in the garden right now, but you know what really bugs me? Y'all know when you get a little tree that grows up through your um, shrubbery? And you go, man, why is that? What did that tree? And I'll, I'm just going to tell you, like I told the first service, um, sweet gum trees are from hell. <laughs> and they're going to be in hell. And I think people are going to have to sit on those little balls while they're in hell. But I can't stand They grow up and ruin all kinds of things. And you go and try to pull those out of your shrubbery, and you don't really get at the roots. What happens? It, you, it'll hide for a minute, and then a few more weeks, you go, dead gummit, it's back in there again. And you have to get in there and try to wrangle that thing out of there if you don't get the roots. And that's exactly what Peter is saying. If you have a root in your heart that's bitter, and it's all about you, unless you get that out, rid yourself of it, it's going to keep coming back, isn't it? And that's exactly what he's saying about what Simon is doing. And he says, you are captive to sin. You're enslaved to sin. You've been operating like this your whole life. You're trying to wow people for your own, uh, you know, make people look at me, look at me, look at me. It's, all, it's always been about that. And you need to change. You need to be different. And whatever he did, it wasn't really a true conversion. It was counterfeit. He was just doing it so he could get the power. And he says, may your money perish with you. May you and your money be separated from God. These may seem like harsh accusations by Peter. Oh, he didn't really know his heart. Yes, he did. 
And this is how I know he knew his heart. He had the Holy Spirit that was giving him the discernment on truth and clarity. And it was so, so important in this first century church for people to know what the truth was and that somebody didn't come in and deceive people. This was God's church. And the followers needed to be pure and needed to be moving forward in the way that Jesus always intended his church. So this is very important even today to keep the church pure and for his leaders to have integrity to God's word and God's desire for his church. And those who are trying to gain recognition, fame or power or money through their position of authority, that is never, never what God intended for his church and for his people. Now, just today, I've been reading some articles within the churches, specifically, I think it's with the Southern Baptists, where they're now in, you know, getting ready to go through this stuff where ministers were covering up where somebody got abused in the church. And they're trying to cover this up. And you know what that does to the church, y'all? I'm not trying to throw off on the Baptist church. I'm just saying, man, it kills me when the church, people go, see, I told you, that's the way the church is. That's why I don't go to church, because they're really not authentic. Do y'all see what I'm saying? How important it is for us to be authentic and not about us. And when someone does something wrong, they need to be called out and it needs to stop. We don't need to try to cover it up because they're in authority. No, they don't need to be in authority if they're doing something that hurts people. And they need to be called out. And Peter's saying, I don't care who you are, I'm going to call you out. So Peter has to address this. All power and glory are intended for God. And the Holy Spirit is a power that's presented as limited, not to just a few people, but to everybody. The Jews, Peter and John, and saying, we thought it was just for us, but now we know it's not. Jesus said, go into all the world. This Holy Spirit, this Jesus was intended for everybody. It's not just for a few. It's for everybody. It's inclusive and welcoming to all. And all power and glory are intended for God the Father, not those who share the message or get to present the message. We're simply servants. We're simply instruments to proclaim that gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why Peter had to address this and nip it in the bud, as Barney Fife would say. We've got to nip it right now. We've got to stop this. We're not going to let people think they can buy this. This is important. And it was also showing the Samaritans how Christianity and the gift of the Holy Spirit was not magic. It was not sorcery. That's what they had been presented for years by Simon, but a power that was given freely to all who sincerely converted and submitted to Jesus Christ authentically. And now they're seeing this is real. They needed to see Peter calling him out. So if you're even halfway following me today, you might go, what does that matter for us in 2022, Craig? That's a great story in the first century, 2,000 and something years ago. But all that's going on in our lives right now, the incredibly high gas prices, we're on the verge, if not starting into a recession. There's a war in Ukraine and then this horrible school shooting and all this stuff that's going on. Really, do we really have time to worry about someone's counterfeit conversion? Why should I care? Well, a counterfeit conversion can be like a, a counterfeit $50 bill. Anybody ever got a, a counterfeit bill of some kind if, if you have you know it can cause a lot of problems because you got it hopefully you didn't print it yourself but you got it and you tried to pay for something and somebody found out and it creates all this domino effect of wait a minute where did that come from somewhere along the line somebody paid 50 bucks and they're going to have to pay for it again because it wasn't real eventually that counterfeit dollar that 50 dollar bill will be found out. And along the way, there are people who have to experience some unwanted consequences because of that counterfeit $50 bill. And a counterfeit conversion to Jesus Christ leads to a counterfeit Christian. 
That means they're fake. They're not real. Sure, they may look real. They may do some good things. But eventually, a counterfeit Christian is going to be exposed. And in the process of being exposed, there will be people who will experience some unwanted consequences because of that person's counterfeit conversion. What do you mean Craig wasn't for real? He led me to the Lord. What do you mean she wasn't for real? She said she believed that stuff, and I believe that. She wasn't for real? Do you see what happens? I don't even know what I believe anymore. Have you ever had somebody say that to you? Because of somebody was being counterfeit and fake. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to be a fake Christian. I don't want to be counterfeit. I don't want you to be counterfeit. God doesn't want us to be counterfeit. God wants us to experience and live out authentic conversion and transformation. Jesus died for us to be authentic Christians. And that's why we need to be authentic as a church. We need to call out each other when we're not being who we were called to be. Who Jesus died for us to be. And who we said we were converted to be. Now, in last week's message, Alex brought out a great point. She talked about Achan from the Old Testament. You remember when Joshua and the people were taking over Jericho and the walls, they marched around, the walls came in, and God said, when you go in, do not take the, as Alex put it, the shiny stuff. Don't take that. That's supposed to go in the Lord's treasury. Don't take it for yourself. He was very clear on that. But Achan decided he wasn't going to listen to that. And he was going to, as she said, a Santa sack. And he starts just piling in all the shiny stuff. And Alex made a great point. She asked, did anybody see Achan with his Santa sack gathering up the shiny stuff? If they did, why didn't they call him out? Because you know what? He was being inauthentic. He was being a counterfeit representative of Israel and of God. But when you see someone doing something that is not real and you don't call them out, you're part of being a fake and a counterfeit too because you're just going to let it go and that's what somebody nobody called him out because those consequences of what he did had horrible consequences for Israel you remember they tried to take over the next city and it was this little bitty city because I'll just take 3,000 men and they were almost all killed because of what Achan did and Achan's family all got killed because of what Achan did oh there's no consequences for being a fake yes there is And we just don't always see them. If there was ever a time that we need to be authentic, it's in this culture. Today, if Peter was was to call out one of us in the church as a a counterfeit Christian like he did Simon, with the intensity is like, your heart's not right. If he did something like that today, can you imagine what would happen? You know who would have the consequences? It wouldn't be Simon. It would be Peter. Peter would be canceled and shamed, and Simon would be elevated to some sort of a hero in our culture. And that's the culture we live in, isn't it? Our culture has become counterfeit. We elevate what we see on social media, and we try to dress and talk and act like what we see there. And it works for a while. We get the likes, we get the laughs, we get the sale, or we get the money. But in reality, there's eventually this emptiness that comes when we know it's fake. That's not really me. I don't really dance like that. I really don't wear clothes like that. That's really not who I am. And somebody's eventually going to find out. And there's this emptiness when you find out. They didn't really care about me. They just wanted my view or my like or my vote or my money on the way to their illusion of popularity and success. And we look at some of the things we do and we say, this is who I am. Why are you doing that? This is who I am. And you're like, 
I know you. That's not you. Why are you doing that? No, this is who I am. But later, that illusion will wear off and we will be exposed. Doing something that's not really you will eventually wear off. The counterfeit will be exposed and we realize that wasn't me. But you know what we're crying out y'all for? We're saying, I really just want you to love me and accept me. And I'm willing to do anything to get you to love and accept me. And the church needs to be a place where people are authentically loved and accepted for who they are. Jesus was real and is real like that. He connected and connects with the most real part of all of us. Peter and John, it took them a while to get this. They wanted fame. Remember, they wanted to say, hey, we're going to be on your right and left hand. And they were always saying, hey, when, you're, when you come into your kingdom, are we going to be the top guys? And he's like, man, y'all don't get it yet. It's not about you getting glory. It's about God getting glory. It's about lives being transformed. It took the Holy Spirit converting Peter and John. They fell for the popularity and the power thing for a while. But guess what? Jesus called them out. They could be counterfeit followers. And Jesus called them out. Why did Jesus call them out? Because Jesus truly loved them. And is committed to encouraging and equipping and challenging them. Just like he's in, committed to doing that to us. And calling us to be who he's really called us to be in our lives. I want to close today with this there was a movie um, several years back, and some of y'all may have seen this. And again, when I tell these stories, I'm not endorsing any of these things. I'm just telling you. They make good stories. But Leap of Faith was a story. You remember Steve Martin was a traveling um, uh, evangelist, Jonas Nightingale. And he went all over. He was a fast-talking preacher who traveled the country making money and by deceiving audiences with these staged miracles. And unexpectedly, a crippled teenage boy is genuinely healed one night at one of his rallies. And all of a sudden, he's confronted. He goes, I didn't do that. This wasn't staged. This wasn't supposed to happen. This boy was really healed, and it wasn't supposed to happen. I didn't stage this one. This just happened. What in the world is going on? And he goes back to his tent that night, and he looks up at this crucifix of Jesus on the wall. And he says, hey, boss. Remember me? And he says his real name, which is Jack Newton, not Jonas Nightingale. Got a question for you. How did you make so many suckers? Then he turns to the empty chairs and he mimics his own preaching. You say love never endeth. Well, I say love never stops. You say the meek shall inherit the earth. And I say the only thing the meek can count on is getting the short end of the stick. You say, is there one among you who is pure in heart? And I say, no one. And then all of a sudden, as he's preaching to a fake audience, he hears out of the darkness this voice. And it's the little boy that got healed. And he says, Rev. And he starts walking towards him. Hello, Boyd, the little boy's name. And sarcastically, he asks him, why aren't you out signing autographs or dancing? And the little boy says, I need to ask you a question. Um, I want to know, when do you plan to leave town? And Jonas steps down and he says, leave? Well, I don't know, in a couple of days, I guess. Why? Well, I wanted to know if I could go with you. I could do a lot of things. I'll earn my keep. You're a little too old to be running away from the, with the circus, aren't you, kid? It's not that. You made me walk again. A lot of people tried to do that over the years, but they couldn't. Hold on, kid. I had nothing to do with your walking. Sure you did. Everybody saw it. Look, I run a show here. It's a lot of smoke and noise, and it's strictly for the suckers. I've been pulling one kind of scam or another since I was your age. And he sits down right in front of Boyd and looks him right in the eye, and he says, And if there's one thing I know, it's how to spot the genuine article. 
Because that's what you've got to watch out for. Not the cops. You can always get around the cops. But the one thing you could never ever get around is the genuine article. And you, kid, are the genuine article. Are you saying that you think you're a fake? I know I'm a fake, Jonas says. Well, the, what difference does it make, the little boy says, if you get the job done, and Jonas leans forward into his face and in his eyes and says this, kid, it makes all the difference in the world. And if you watch that movie, you know Jonas never goes back to that. He can't. He can't go back to that fake counterfeit lifestyle anymore. And I want to say to us today, it does make all the difference in the world when someone who says they're a follower of Jesus really is a follower of Jesus, doesn't it? It makes all the difference in the world. It's not just some words. It's not just getting wet. It's actually life transformation in the things that we do in every aspect of our life that changes not only me and you, but the people we come in contact with. It makes all the difference when we truly are converted and we get the job done. And the job done is when we do those good works that God created us to do while we're here on this earth. So this morning... We're going to offer the opportunity for a conversion experience. Maybe somebody here today needs to do that. And so we're going to offer that. Our praise team is going to come up and lead us in a song. And if you're here today and you need to make a change in your life, a conversion, but make sure it's real. It takes time sometimes, but make sure that it's real. And so we're going to offer that opportunity. And Jesus has always got his arms up and say it's always, he's always ready for someone to convert genuinely convert and be who they've always been called to be. So I'm going to ask you to stand and sing with the team. And if you have a decision this morning, we're going to ask that you come forward. And then right after that, we're going to take communion together. If you're uh, visiting with us today and you're not a member, that's okay. We invite you to be a part of that communion. So during this song, if you didn't get your packet, you can slip out and grab one of those packets of communion so that you can take communion with us later. But let's sing together.